Hi, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Calvary San Juan. I pray you will be encouraged and challenged as we dig into God's Word. So grab a Bible and follow along with us as we look for Jesus through the Scriptures. If you want to connect with us more after the study, check out our website at calvarysanjuan.com or follow us on Instagram at Calvary San Juan Island or on Facebook at Calvary San Juan Live. I'm supposed to have this on so that people online can hear. Last week, Joe went over Genesis 3, right? We talked about sin, really the origin of sin. Um, and today, we're going to see the fruit of that, the, the consequences of sin. We're going to be in Genesis 4. I am going to pick up and read the entire passage and then we'll dig in and, and glean some of the, the, the items from it. So Genesis chapter 4 begins. Now the man had relations with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. And she said, I've gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. Again, she gave birth to her brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. And Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of his flock and their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering, but for Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. And then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where's, your, where, where's Abel your brother? And he said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you cultivate the ground, it will no longer yield its strength to you. You will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is too great to bear. Behold, you've driven me this day from the face of the ground, and from your face I'll be hidden, and I'll be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. And so the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance will be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord appointed a sign for Cain, so that no one finding him would slay him. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain had relations with his wife, and she conceived and gave birth to Enoch. And he built a city and called the name of the city Enoch after the name of his son. Now to Enoch was born Erad, and Erad became the father of Mahujael. And Mahujael became the father of Methushael. And Methushael became the father of Lamech. And Lamech took himself two wives. The name of one was Ada, and the name of the other was Zillah. Ada gave birth to Jabal, and he was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the lyre and the pipe. 
As for Zillah, she gave birth to Tubal-Cain, the forger of all implements of bronze and iron, and the sister of Tubal-Cain was Naamah. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, listen to my voice, you wives of Lamech. Give heed to my speech, for I have killed a man for wounding me and a boy for striking me. If Cain is avenged sevenfold, then Lamech seventy-sevenfold. Adam had relations with his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth, for she said, God has appointed me another offspring in the place of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth, to him also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. Then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. Father God, thank you so much for the work that you're doing in our hearts, Lord. I pray that you would, you would come now, that you would bring your word, that you would, you would help change your, your people's hearts. Help us to be more focused on you, Lord. Help us to, to see you more clearly so that then we can represent you properly to the people around us, Lord. Help us to bring more Jesus to Friday Harbor. In Jesus' name, amen. So I have three points today. The, the whole idea behind going through Genesis, um, Joe wanted to find Jesus in Genesis. So as I'm going through, that's kind of the forefront of my brain, right? There's, I'm, not, I'm not trying to pick, there's plenty of stuff to pick out of here. Earlier I was talking to, um, at first service, you know, th- there's all these questions that people bring about Genesis to try and outthink or pick apart. And we'll gladly have those conversations, but we have those kind of at fellowship groups. So seven o'clock my house, right? We can have that kind of conversation. Um, but today we're going to go over some, some specific points that really stood out to me in seeing Jesus in Genesis. So the first, the first one right off the bat was when we feel consequences of sin, we look for a savior. We look for a solution, right? We know as Christians, Jesus is that solution. And the kind of the, the idea came as I was kind of pondering, Eve was born in the garden. She was created inside the garden, right? They, when, when God took the rib, I call my wife my prime rib, right? When, when God took the rib out of Adam and made Eve, it was in the garden. That was the only thing Eve knew. Eve knew in the garden. Fruit, vegetables, right? Everywhere. Everything she could possibly want was right there. And there, the, the work was, was fruitful, meaning it wasn't difficult labor. There was work to be done tending the, the garden, but it wasn't hard work. It was, it was that type of work where you get done, you're like, man, that felt really good, right? But now she's not there anymore. She's been removed from the garden. She's been removed from this beautiful place, and she's now outside of the garden. And when her husband gets home from work, he's like bleeding from the thorns, and he's got calluses on his hands from working with the weeds. And, and life is not the same. She's seen the consequences that have occurred from what, what she's done. 
And in that, then, then she feels the pains of childbirth, right? Her, her side of the curse, and, and I can't help to think that she's like, man, fruit wasn't that good. Like, <laughs> it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't good enough for this. This stinks. And when, when they have the, the kid, they name him Acquired. That's what, that's what Cain means. Cain means acquired, specifically acquired from God. And the idea in the language is that, that he was going to solve the problems. He was going to be that prophetic heel that came and stepped on the serpent. He was going to undo what they did. And so they named him Cain. And then the second son comes, and they name him Abel. And he was keeper of the flocks, right? Those flocks were not kept to eat because they weren't eating flesh at this time. Those flocks were kept for clothing so that they could be clothed and also for sacrifice because God had instituted that as soon as he saw the people trying to make their clothes out of the fig leaves, right? Have you guys seen fig leaves? They're like that big, right? So God was like, you guys, he instituted sacrifice right there where he atoned for the sin by killing an animal, shedding its blood, and covering them with the skins. Well, we see here Abel's keeping those flocks, but if we look at Abel's name, he didn't get nearly as cool a name. I mean, Cain is acquired from the Lord. Abel means meaningless or vanity. Or it's the exact same Hebrew word that's used in Ecclesiastes when it says everything is meaningless. Everything is a vapor. And so I'm like, it doesn't sound like he's as much, um, I don't want to say love because parents, they, you love all your kids, right? But they definitely had an expectation of Cain. They gave him a name that said, we expect this guy to do great things. And then Abel was, was kind of the, the second kid. When, when consequences come, we look for a Savior, and they were looking for a Savior in their son, Cain, I believe. I mean, if, if you don't believe, 7 o'clock my house, Wednesday, right? Because we, we, we don't always agree. Mr. Steve can attest to that. We, we have discussions where we're like, ah, right? But th this is one of those places... I get a talk, and you guys get a listen, and then if we, we don't agree, we can discuss it afterwards. That's a beautiful thing about Christianity, right? Not everybody has their theology right. The best guys in the world don't have their theology right, so sometimes you can get corrected. That's a beautiful thing. So looking for a Savior is where we're at here. Eve's looking for a Savior, and then I was thinking, when I went to high school, my high school school was, was a little different than nowadays. We had uh, DC Talk, you guys remember? I mean, he still does songs, but DC Talk actually came to an assembly at my high school, right, and preached the gospel. I didn't come for it. Like, that was dumb stuff. I wasn't going to hang out with those stupid Christians. Then we had these other guys come called the Power Team, and they would come and they would like rip phone books apart in the name of Jesus, and I was like, these guys are weird too. But all that to say that afterwards, after they did that, they gave these rowdy testimonies. Like, 
you know, they fell off the deep end. They were raised by Christian parents, but then they left them. They were living with their girlfriend and doing drugs. And I was like, wow, this is, this is heavy. But then I found Jesus. Everything was good. That, that's, that's kind of what happens, guys. When we are faced with adversity, when, when life isn't going well, that's generally when people come to Jesus. I have never, ever, ever heard someone say, you know what, life was so awesome. My wife was awesome. Um, everything was great. And then I found Jesus, and it, it was like the icing on the cake. I've never heard that testimony. I'm not saying it's not out there, but I'm saying that by and large, generally, when, we, when we're faced with circumstances that are out of our control and, and, and they kind of stink, that's when we come to, to find our Savior. And I think that's what's happening here. Eve is like, Eve and Adam, even though it just calls him the man, right? Eve is saying, this guy is going to turn things around. The next point is that when we place our hope in someone or something other than Jesus, we're going to be let down. Like, when I put all of my trust in my wife, I'm going to be let down. Not because my wife's a bad person. Well, I mean, we're all bad people, but... (laughs) But it's not because she's a bad person, right? It's because I'm putting expectations on her that she can never live up to. Same for me. If she, if she puts all these Jesus expectations on me, I can't live up to them. I'm going to let her down. And then we're going to get in a fight. And then we don't talk about divorce. because I know Joe said he talked about it once. Before we were married, my wife said, we're married until you die. And I was like, oh. And, and the way she said it was, there, it wasn't a discussion point. She's good with a knife, right? So if we put our expectations and our trust in someone other than Jesus, we're going to be let down. And I believe we see that here in this story. These expectations are placed that Cain is going to be the savior of the world, that he is going to bro- fix what was broken by, by Eve's temptation and Adam's temptation. I wonder if when Cain was rejected by God, when his offering wasn't accepted, if that was the first time that he was ever rejected. If perhaps that was the first time someone said, no, that's not good enough. It's not that he didn't know what to do. We know that God never changes. It's not like he has a constantly changing standard. His, his standard is here, and we all know what it's to be, and if we don't meet to it, then, then we don't meet the expectation. It's on God's side of the fence here. And so Cain, when, when we read about what happened with Cain, it says that he was, uh, let me get back to the, I'm going to read it in the Amplified Version because I think that it really helps. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why do you look sad, depressed, and dejected? Cain was crushed in the fact that his offering wasn't accepted. His offering wasn't any different, really, than Abel's in the fact that it was from his vocation. I mean, when I give my tithe, I give tithe that I earn making money, right? I give actual... Anybody here give something other than money and time? Right? That's what we, we all give that. And that's what he did. He took what he earned 
and he gave it. So why wasn't it good enough? Why, why wasn't Cain's offering accepted, and why was Abel's? It's a question that, that needs to be addressed, and I think that we see it in Hebrews 11.4. Because in Hebrews 11.4 it says, By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which it was testified of him that he was righteous, upright, and right God, and God testified by accepting his gifts. And though he died, yet through this act of faith, he still speaks. It, it, it wasn't a matter of what was given. It was a matter that it didn't meet the standard laid out by God. God had said, this is what needs to be done, and Cain didn't do it. Some commentators went so far as to say that it was a blood sacrifice that he was looking for. And I think that there's things within the story that would, would point to that. And the thing for Cain is, for him to get a blood sacrifice, he'd have to grow vegetables and then give those vegetables to his little brother to get a piece of livestock to then go and kill. His brother would have been a part of it. And, and a lot of commentators think that Cain bypassed that and said, well, I don't need to give it to, to my little brother. Why should he get the vegetables? I'll give them directly to God. But that, that's not what God said. And we know that it's not what God said because God doesn't change, right? God, it, God has an expectation of the two of them, and Cain doesn't need it. You know, it's, it's not a matter of, you know, Cain didn't know any better. I am positive that God gave all opportunity for Cain to know better. And in this, can you imagine being the parents? You have a son that you believe is going to save the world. And another son that you love, right? He might not be, you know, the Superman, but he, he's still your son. And you find out that the son of promise killed the other son and he was banished. So now you don't have either of them. Neither of them are in your life anymore. They've been taken away. I can't imagine what it would have been like for Adam and Eve. Like the, the, the heartbreak as a family. And I think we see here that when we place our trust and our hope in someone or something other than Jesus, we'll be let down. There's a great classic song. It's been remade, but I just got the lyrics from the classic. It says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ, my righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And then it goes on to say, when darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. That's where our trust needs to be. It needs to be in Jesus. Like, if you put your trust in anything else, I promise you, it, you'll be let down. You all probably know that at some level. At some point in your life, you put your trust and hope and desire in this one thing, and it let you down. Or maybe you did it again. Or maybe you, you're still doing it, right? There's, 
things that we put our trust and hope in, and they're never going to live up to what Jesus is. Which brings us to the third point. God gives a place even for a murderer to repent. Our God is a God of second chances. If we go back to that story, which closed my Bible, but bookmark. If we go back to the story, we see here that first, before, before Cain has even committed the act of murder, before he's killed his brother, God comes and warns him comes and gives him a therapy session, tries to help him walk through the emotions that he's feeling. In the, the, NSA, the, the New American Standard Bible, it says, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you don't do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. The idea here, God's telling him, yeah, you, you, you gave an offering that wasn't acceptable to me. But you can give another offering. You know what the offering needs to be. He knows that. Just give me the right offering. Give me the offering that I desire, that I've laid out for you. Give me that and, and, and your countenance will be lifted up. You'll be in right place with me. He's giving him a second chance. And what does Cain do with it? Well, we know from the story, he's like, you want a sacrifice? I'll give you a sacrifice. Hey, Abel, come on. And he takes his brother out in the field, and he spills his brother's blood. And I think this is one of those things that points towards his original sacrifice needed to be some type of blood. I don't think he kills his brother just because he's angry at him. I think he does it to get back at God for wanting this blood sacrifice. And he kills him in the field and sheds his blood. This, this is the same heart that I've had many, many times. Where someone's told me, don't do it this way. And I'm like, oh yeah, you want to see it done that way? I'll do it. We have a, a rebellious heart. The Bible says over and over we have a rebellious heart. I, I believe this is his rebellious heart taking it out on his, his brother who he was supposed to get an animal from to sacrifice. And even then, God still pursues him. God doesn't leave it at that. He curses him, no doubt. He did wrong. He didn't even heed the first warning, but he doesn't kill him. What does he do? It says, Now you're cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you cultivate the ground, it will no longer yield its strength to you. You will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is too great to bear. They're having a conversation back and forth. Behold, you've driven me this day from the face of the ground, and from your face I will be hidden. I'll be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. So the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance will be taken upon him sevenfold, and the Lord appointed a sign for Cain, so that no one finding him would slay him. God sends him out into the wilderness. He doesn't kill him to wander and feel the consequences. And we already, the first point says, 
consequences will lead us to find a savior. I believe God sends Cain out to give him even another opportunity to repent and come back to him, to give a right offering, to have his countenance lifted. And when we get to the very end, the very last verse, it says, then men begin to call upon the name of the Lord. Seth was a second chance. Seth was, his name means the appointed one. Like Adam and Eve lost their son, but they were given another one. He's a second coming, a second chance at being parents again. It's a beautiful picture of a God of second chances. It reminds me of a parable that Jesus taught. He taught it to his disciples. You guys probably have heard it called the prodigal son. There were two sons. One worked for the dad. The other one wanted him dead. I say that because he wanted his inheritance now. And in that culture, to get your inheritance, your parents had to be dead. So to say, I want my inheritance, is like wishing your father dead. And he goes to dad and says, I I want my inheritance now. And the dad says, okay, here it is, and gives it to him. And he goes out off the deep end. He goes after the biblical equivalent of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. He's out the door, he blows all the money, and he finds himself working in an illegal occupation. Raising pigs, not too Jewish, right? So he finds himself in an illegal occupation raising pigs. Furthermore, he's not even making enough money to feed himself, so he's eating the food of pigs, which is like double bad for a Jew. And he says, you know what? It'd be better if I worked for my dad. I know my dad's character. I know how he treats his employees. If I go and work for dad, I'll eat better than this. I could at least, you know, have him a decent meal. And so he goes back to his father looking to apply for a job, not expecting his father to run out, meet him, throw a cloak over him, tell the other son, go slaughter a cow. We're going to have a party. My son's come home. We have a God of second chances. Like, he wants and desires us to come back to him, even when we screw up and kill our brother. Even when we screw up and, and, and go off the deep end, whatever your thing is, right? Because we all have different things. If I name my thing, you'll be like, oh, I'm not so bad because I don't do that, <laughs> right? But you guys have things too, right? And those things get in the way of a relationship with God. All you have to do is ditch them and come back. He will give you second, third, fourth, Ted Bundy, you guys heard of him, right? Bad guy, right? I believe he's in heaven. He had an interview with with Dobson. And Dobson was going through and questioning him, do you realize what you've done? And he's like, yeah, I, I did horrible things. And he goes, so what can you do? He goes, I can't do anything. I can't fix the brokenness that I've created by killing these people's kids. I can't fix the brokenness of, of this person's kid not having a mom anymore. I can't, I can't fix it. There's nothing I can do. And he's like, well, do you want to die? He goes, no, I don't want to die, 
but it's, what, it's what I, what's required of me. That's the consequence of doing what I did. I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise up and be with Jesus because he accepted the Lord. It wasn't because he did anything right. Ted Bundy is a pretty good example of doing everything wrong, right? And, and, and seeking after. He was raised by, by parents that loved him, right? But he, he had a nasty habit that he kept in the dark. And that habit is called pornography. And that pornography led to more and more and more and more and more until it consumed him and he started taking lives because that's what was required for him to, to feel right. That type of person gets second chances. Anybody here can get a second chance. So I'm a pretty stiff-necked guy. My wife will attest to it. Um, stubborn, I think, is another word that they use. Uh, bullheaded. My dad would have used some choice metaphors I can't say from the pulpit. And a lot of times it takes three or four times before I, I, I'm like, you know what? I'm not the fix for this. As a matter of fact, I'm probably the reason it's broken. I need to kind of get out of the way Tell my wife she's right. Tell my son I was wrong. Get out of the way. Confess my sin, not just to God. Sometimes we're like, you know what? I did, I did the wrong thing. I'm going to say sorry to God, but I'm not going to say sorry to him. He, 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 he'll know that I'm sorry because I'll treat him better, but I'm not going to say... That's not how it works sometimes, guys. Sometimes God's going to be like, you know what? You did sin, but you didn't just sin against me. You sin against him. You need to take that, and we, that, we need to do that as a church. The Bible says that we should love one another, that's everybody between these walls, as well as the other churches out there, the ones that we don't talk about. Those, those Christians, too, we're to love one another in such a way that people can see Jesus. And, and I think it's really, really, really important that, that we remember that, because a lot of times, I'm guilty of not loving you guys the way that Jesus loves me. And that's, that's just not doing, that's not doing me any good, but it's ripping you guys off too. But the beautiful part is the second chance, right? We can, we can have a second chance. God gave Cain a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance. God gave Eve and Adam a second chance to be parents. In all of this, we all fall short. Like the Bible says in Romans, everyone falls short the glory of God. We all fall short. It's not, it's not like I can say, hey, you guys, you fell short, or hey, no. We have to identify it in us, and then when we identify it in us, Jesus can come in, change us, and then we can start representing him properly, and we can change the world. Like he said, we would change the world, but we have to do it with his power, not our own. So we have a Savior. His name is Jesus. That's the Savior we need to be pointed at. It's not our kids. It's not our wife. It's not our parents. It's Jesus. He came down from heaven came out of Eden. He came down out of heaven, became a man, made himself lower than angels is what the Bible said. He came down out of heaven, 
He lived a life that none of us could ever live. He didn't sin, not even once. He loved on his brothers and sisters. He loved, he loved everybody. But when it was time to tell people that they were messing up, he also did that in love. Then he died a death that didn't just clean us, right? It wasn't like it took the dirt off because then as soon as we go outside again, we're going to get dirty again. He removed it from us. His blood removed sin from us. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, our sin has been removed. And then he didn't just rise, right? It says he rose from death. That's a big deal. But he also rose up to the right hand of God and reunited with the Trinity. Because remember, part of, you know, people are like, he was crucified. He was, but he was separated from God. He was removed and separated from the Trinity. He was rent apart and then put back together. And that can happen in your lives because we have a God of second chances. I'm going to be up here. If you guys need prayer, there's something that I can be assistance to you. It would be to love you through prayer. If you, if you would like prayer, come up here. Um, we, I don't think we have any elders for the back, so it'll just be me up here. But I encourage you guys, come up for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so, so, so much for your love. Thank you for second chances, God, that you would continue to, to highlight and point to our spiritual blind spots, God. That you'd help us to see, us, see it and then correct it, Lord. That we would be able to bring right offerings to you. And that in that, we could be more like your son and share that with Friday Harbor, Lord. I pray that we would go out and love Friday Harbor in such a way that people could see Jesus. Thank you so much for this day, Lord. Fill us with your spirit. Help us to go out. In Jesus' name, amen. good word for this this morning. I think uh, 